You're listening to the Grieving Together Show, a podcast that journeys through grief with individuals, couples, and families who have experienced the loss of someone that they love. Hi, my name is Kelly Bro, co-founder of Redbird Ministries, a pro-life, pro-family, Catholic grief support ministry located in the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm sitting down today with grieving families who have been impacted by loss, asking specific questions. How they found healing and hope in the middle of the storm, the lessons they learned, and tips we can all use to survive loss while staying close to our faith. I encourage you to lean in and allow God to love you through our words and take to heart what these incredible families have endured and how they have rise above their suffering. We hope you enjoy today's show. Today on the Grieving Together podcast, you find Lisa Martinez, a writer, entrepreneur, and founder of Little with Great Love, a big foodie. She'd be the number four sweet and spicy on a combo meal menu, born in Metro Detroit and raised as daddy's princess with three older brothers. She now calls Austin, Texas home and loves to travel through life and around the world with her mountain man husband, Mike. A fusion of creative and strategic with a penchant for storytelling across the digital landscape. This Franciscan University grad studied writing, mental health, and theology. Through her nonprofit, I Amplify, She helps organizations address the challenges of modern ministry and serves those serving the church. She's working on a project to help others suffering from infertility. Lisa's calling it to bring restoration in Christ to the brokenhearted. Please help us welcome Lisa Martinez. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's such a grace and blessing to be with you. And to see, I, they don't get to see you, but I get to see you. <laughs> no, I was so excited to see your face this morning. I was like, I get to see my friend. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. You're such a light and a joy. <laughs> I'm so excited to share with um, our listeners today about what you're working on and your story and um, just how our our world collided together. Oh, God just said, okay, you need to meet each other. So I thought, which I think is so fascinating. So um, just share who you are and, you know, share your journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the youngest of four. I grew up in uh, Michigan. I currently live in Austin, Texas. And um, I went to Franciscan university for, um, for college and ended up studying uh, writing, theology, and mental health. Um, so those are all things that are really important to me. I consider myself a storyteller. So the way that I do that, do that is digitally. So I have um, um, a small business that I've run with my husband and then a um, nonprofit that we started a couple of 
um, that works with digital marketing with religious organizations. And then, um, let's see, I, Little With Great Love really came out of this desire to bring restoration to people. So um, last year, after my father passed away in March, I really allowed the Lord to, um, to be in a space with him to just really slow down and ask him what he wanted of me as you kind of go through this rediscovery of self. I had given two years of my life to accompany my dad through the last days of his life and his illness. And um, Little With Great Love had been this Etsy shop that I had put together for my mother-in-law to put her crochet in there. And God was like, I got different ideas for this, you know? So I allowed myself to dream again and come into a space with the Lord to say, um, what is it that you desire for me in this time that it was about restoration journey? And well, so it'd be St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta and St. Therese of Lisieux. So when I went to Steubenville, I was in a household, it was kind of like a Catholic sorority um, called Little Flowers. So I'd been journeying with St. Therese for many, many years. And then Mother Teresa, I've always just been drawn to her spirituality and her her bold trust in the Lord. Both of them had amazing confidence in the Lord. And, um, and so really through both of them, um, the Lord started to reveal an, uh, a space where women could share their stories. And we are doing that right now through blogging. Um, and so there's a group of eight of us that are blogging together at littlewithgreatlove.com um, to share our restoration journey and really to draw other people into that journey. And it's really there that I plan to share about my journey through grief. And my journey through grief has really been through the loss of my parents, um, through grieving childhood trauma and processing that with um, therapists. And then also through my journey through infertility, which really brought us together. Yes. So Lisa and I have been on the same infertility journey for the last eight years. Um, mine began when we first got married, but I did conceive. So this um, suffering right now with secondary infertility so we've been on this eight-year journey together and and didn't know it (laughs) yes (laughs) because our paths didn't cross until the end of last year when the lord really through a very special set of circumstances you know just i knew that i was supposed to um, know these women that were doing a grief retreat and so when the lord said he he put up a common person in our path and then started to find out who gave this grief retreat and that's how these beautiful women came into my life you know uh wendy and then and kelly and so from then we knew that you know our i knew that in doing my infertility work i needed an organization like redbird i didn't know that they had um begun this work which i felt was really lacking in the church um walking accompanying people through grief loss of a child and so I know that infertility and miscarriage, loss of a child are very intertwined. And I really wanted to have resources that as I develop this ministry and work of infertility support and education, that, um, that I would have, uh, you know, somebody to turn them over to and say they're in good hands. You know, if you're going through miscarriage um, because you've been going through infertility or you're going through a loss of a child, um, then these are, you know, these are the resources. So finding Redbird for me was just like a missing puzzle piece that was so crucial. I was really overjoyed. <laughs> and with the infertility part of it, um, I had been told by my uh, doctor 
that if someone um, starts an infertility ministry, I'm going to fund that. And I was like, oh, here you go. <laughs> Here's Lisa. <laughs> so once this coronavirus, you know, yeah. um, calms down and um, you're finished with or get closer to the end of your materials. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, we're going to have to introduce you with <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think you would love yeah. to meet you because it's uh, the work. <laughs> well, likewise. Well, yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So um, just share with us about how this, um, I guess, how God put it on your heart to write this Bible study. Share what it, you know, share what it is and um, like what your hopes are to do with it. Yeah. Well, of course, God works through our own circumstances. And so it began with, probably began with the fact that um, infertility was not something I thought that we would struggle with in our marriage. Um, we're coming up on nine years of marriage. And, um, and so I got married at 34. And um, basically, um, there are some women that would have indications that they might struggle with getting pregnant based on PCOS or um, other diagnosis um, issues with their menstrual cycle. I am regular like a clock, you know, and stuff. I mean, there wasn't any indications that we would struggle. Um, and so in almost nine years, never even achieved pregnancy. Um, but I, you know, I consider myself to be in pretty good health. Um, and the fact is, is that I did not feel equipped to deal with this cross, really, because um, partly because of society, it's not something that's at, at all easy to talk about, right? <laughs> I mean, very simple questions that people normally ask people. Are you married, right? Okay, if you're single, that's a painful question for you, right? So it's the same if you're married and you don't have children because automatically people assume you're married, you have children, you know? So they'll say, do you have kids? And they don't realize that that's a, that's a difficult question for me. You know, they're entering into my place of pain. And that's, it's just a common question. I'm not saying people can't ask it, but they don't know that that's a loaded question for certain couples. Mm -hmm. So many, many people don't know that this is much more common than, than you realize. Um, that there's actually one in eight couples that are struggling with fertility, infertility. And that, so that's approximately 7.3 million couples um, in the United States, you know, that are, are dealing with that. So um, what happens when you don't feel equipped for something and when you're suffering greatly because this was the greatest desire of my heart, you know, to be a mother, always, you know, I was a babysit kids from 12 years old, always had a love for children, always saw myself as a mother, um, that you become very isolated. And I wasn't educated, you know, really on a lot of things considering hormones and fertility. Um, and I thought, you know, how can women even function in this state? You know, um, there's so much grief. There's so much disappointment, constant. There's so much isolation. There's, um, there's so much lack of support. And then you're also that affect your hormones and put you in this heightened state. And actually at one point myself, I um, was in such a heightened state that my blood pressure was rocketing, skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go see a cardiologist. My, my OBGYN uh, referred me to a cardiologist. Well, I saw my cardiologist uh, at the time 
she said, um, so you're going through infertility and you're on these different uh, pills. I was on um, HCG injections, which is like the pregnancy hormone. And she said, um, I see this actually a lot with women that are going through what you're going through, that they're in this heightened state and there's this insane anxiety. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I mean, I could talk to a statue, you know, like I have no problem socially. <laughs> I was getting social anxiety. Um, like mm -hmm. I remember going to meet a young woman for the first time in a restaurant and I had to um, just hold my mouth, just try to barely get out, you know, tell me about yourself because I was having heart palpitations and um, was internally freaking out. And she, I didn't want her to know, you know, what was going on with me. So we're living in this heightened state with hormones. There's a lack of education, lack of, of um, uh, not, just not being equipped for this. And so then God placed this call in my heart about four years ago because I'm a storyteller, right? So he's like, I want you to write this book. I had all these book ideas, right? One of my goals in life, bucket lists, write a book, get it published or self-publish. And um, he said, you know, this is the book. I want you to write an infertility devotional. I'm like, yeah, no, I did. That's not the book I want to write. I'm not interested in that topic. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Same, right? Relate, relate, relate. That um, it's hard enough to like live with this every day. To write a book means that it's basically like going through psychotherapy. Think about what you're feeling, your story, try to write it out. You have to go back and edit it. You have to like, you know, work it out, work it out, work it out. And I don't really want to think about this at all, let alone write about it and like then expose this to whoever the heck is going to pick this up, you know, and stuff like that. And then and they so edit for, it, say that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And you're like, that <laughs> matters to me. Get <laughs> away from me. I know. I don't want to let that go. That junk needs to be let go, but I don't want to let it go. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So about two years ago then, um, my dad became very ill, like I mentioned earlier. And I was in the midst of the injections and the meds. And my anxiety was reaching this peak. I do have an anxiety disorder, but like to take that and then add, like, uh, this is just for women that may not be going through this. Imagine like being PMS like every day, you know, <laughs> but like to the nth degree, you know, and stuff like that. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm like reacting this way so strongly, like to these things. I'm already an emotional, uh, highly sensitive person. And so this was all to the max and, um, going through my, going through this with my dad, when I had already lost my mom, um, right after we were engaged almost nine years ago, um, it was already adding more, you know, and then I had this childhood trauma um, from sexual abuse that had been repressed that I had gone to therapy before. I'd gone to healing retreats with, you know, JP2 healing center, um, healing the whole person retreat. And I had done inner healing work and all these things. Um, but really there was just anytime you're, you go through these traumatic things, it's, um, it's like an onion that's being peeled. There's layer after layer, you know, and stuff that you continue to work through in your life. So, um, being in this heightened state and all of that stuff, I decided to go back into therapy. You know, I, I found a Catholic therapist. I went to catholictherapist.com. <laughs> I found Dr. Meyer Dawn, um, who's a third order Benedictine. She is trained in trauma and she also works through through grief with people and anxiety and depression and all those things. She was a godsend to me. I realized I was losing my joy amidst my suffering. And that's very much tied to my identity, right? You know, my mom used to call me her sunshine girl. Mm -hmm. I was always, you know, those kind of things about yourself where you realize that like, I'm not 
who I was created to be because I'm so bogged down by all this trauma, this grief, this suffering, and then going through that with my dad. So as I'm going through um, therapy, you know, with, with Dr. Meyer Dawn, that um, we start to unpack the grief, right? It's grieving my mother, grieving the fact that I may never be a biological mother, my, my heart's truest desire, um, losing my dad. I see it happening every day before my eyes. And then, you know, this, this childhood trauma. And so it was very multifaceted, very deep grief, you know, to go through all that at the same time. And we started going through what's called EMDR. Now, if anybody's never heard of that, it means eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Basically, it's a therapy technique that they use to help your brain heal from trauma. It's a game changer, folks. <laughs> if you've gone through any kind of trauma, which most people don't realize that they have been traumatized, they kind of downplay mm-hmm. things. Um, I'm such a huge advocate of EMDR changed my life, you know. So I did that. And as I'm working through the infertility piece specifically with Dawn, she's telling me, Lisa, everything you're saying is everything I hear from other women that are going through this. And I'm telling her that I feel God call me. Like, it's so painful for me to do this. I guess it's like, okay, I don't want to do this. And she's like, you, you got to write this book. Like, this was intended for you by God, right? Other women need this. Other couples need this, all right? And then all of a sudden, you realize that your pain becomes your purpose, right? Exactly what you went through, Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. With Redbird. It took you a little bit to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Long time. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. <I'm> so long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it took, me, it took me about four years to get there, you know, mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm willing to do this for you, God, because I know that this gives me um, – something to do with this. this. This isn't, you know, just something, okay, you've got to go through and carry your own entire life. But all of a sudden now it's becomes a tool to um, accompany other women through this journey. So, okay. So, okay. I'll say that, you know, I didn't want it to be about me exclusively, my story. I didn't want it to be like all become about me. Um, I really wanted to share other women's journey, which is the same thing I'm doing with Little with Great Love, right? Mm-hmm. So I started interviewing. I, I write a list of women that I know that I know personally that okay, this affected these women. I'm gonna reach out to them as I'm writing and just start doing, see if they're willing to do interviews with me, so I can tell their story. Um, most yeses, amazingly, you know, and stuff like that is that you know, and I'm looking for different facets of infertility, secondary infertility, excuse me. Um, infertility in general, miscarriage. Um, I interviewed a woman that um, had a stillbirth um, and was told she could never have children after that because of, um, she, I mean, I mean, her whole body from preeclampsia um, mm. was shutting down. Um, you know, amazing to get a woman that um, at 27 years ago lost her child and was told she could never have children. Um, that, you know, to get the perspective from somebody who's seasoned in this and to get younger women's perspectives. And I, I really want to interview some men to get the husband's perspective and things like that. So, you know, telling these different facets of this story. And then I realized that, oh, this is actually helping to heal me. And it's also bringing comfort and consolation just to the women that I'm interviewing already, you know, and stuff that we're finding this common ground with one another. And so then you start to realize that God's doing a work of restoration here. This is so much greater, so much bigger. 
And then the Lord starts revealing to me also that, um, you know, I, I call you to be mother in whatever stage you are in your life. As a woman, that's, we bear life. If my body can't physically do that, God still has a plan for that. And I remember, if you guys have heard of Blessed Is She, it's a beautiful Catholic women's ministry. Went to a retreat um, a few few years ago, actually, when I was right in the height. I almost couldn't go to the retreat because I was like having such panic, you know, about being around people. But God paved a way, and I went, and I'm sitting at the front table, and there's a Dominican nun that's giving the very first talk. It's We're talking Henry Nowen's The Beloved is the theme of the retreat. In the middle of her talk, she says... It was coming to me so strongly. It was coming to me yesterday in adoration. It's coming back to me again. I was going to tell you right now. If you are struggling with infertility, God has a different plan for your motherhood. And I'm like five feet away from her sitting in the front table from the stage. And I just tears start streaming down my face. You know, I know she's talking to me. Then there's a woman ends up giving me a ride home because my ride bailed, um, whatever. And so we're, as we're going home, she started telling you that she's 47. She didn't start having kids until she was my age, which I think was like 41 at the time. And um, so, you know, guys put this woman in my life to realize I started having kids when you, I was your age and I'm 47. I'm still trying, you know, <laughs> and she had these two beautiful daughters and she said um, that with one of them, they had done like the turkey baster method, you know, and the whole thing like that, um, which she told me. You know, I really wish that I would have relied on the Lord. And it was really this like hope. There would be all these times in my journey where I would just feel like I cannot do this anymore, God. It is so freaking painful, you know, to open Facebook and see streams of people sharing pictures of their kids and all the ways they're so proud of them and all the funny things they say and do. You just see it everywhere. You can't not be at your door and not be confronted with a child. You can't not be invited to a baby shower or, you know, um, a kid's birthday party or hear a pregnancy announcement. It's part of our everyday life. And so there's these triggers that are lingering around for these women that are just suffering to their core. And I really just didn't want to be held captive to, I can't find joy in other people's um, good life events, you know, and stuff. When they announce their pregnancy, then all I feel is the sorrow and jealousy. I can't, you know, avoid going to all these life events of kids and things like that. I can't not be on Facebook because I don't want to see this or that or the other thing. And so you just realize that I have to come to a place of acceptance and I have to realize God, God's plan for my life looks different than what is it? 80% of the world or 90% of the world, you know, and stuff like that. And God's called me to live an uncommon life. And it doesn't mean that, um, uh, a way to live out my motherhood. I really do through spiritual motherhood. And it doesn't mean that maybe God doesn't have a plan in terms of, yes, it could be adoption. Yes, it could be fostering. People love to throw this at you. Oh, you can adopt, you can foster. Oh, <laughs> do you realize what goes into that people? Yeah. I'm already. No yeah. It's like, I know a lot of people told me. Calling. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I barely survived the last eight years. Like I need to be able to, yeah. to really get on my feet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a family member that they, um, spent about 60 grand uh, for adoption and the woman was scamming them. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was in it for financial reasons. And then she pulled out before the adopt before she had the baby mm-hmm. because they were refusing to pay more money because she, I mean, she was having them pay for her rent and her internet and all these kind of things on top of like 
a crazy amount of, so people don't really know like what goes into these other decisions that those are, and there may be a call within the call, right? You know, Mm -hmm. God may call you to adopt within that calling of having a different way to live out your motherhood. God may say, you're going to be a family of two. I want you to travel the world and tell people this or that, or I have kids that I want you to mother spiritually, you know, God's going to call you in that way. So I think that, you know, through all of this, God just said, you know, just, just start writing these things. So it's based on, you know, the book is based on a, um, it's all based on the scripture, the word of God, you Mm -hmm. know, and really what happens I find in, um, any kind of suffering, infertility, as you're listening to this, infertility may not be your cross. And I don't know what your cross is, you know, maybe it's visible that you have a physical ailment. Maybe it's invisible, like infertility, where that you've gone through divorce, or you're going through a um, very difficult time in your marriage, you lost your mom, you had a miss, that there's really this emotional journey that you go through, right? And God just like had me just start to like use my, my little mental health background just starts to like look at what are the emotions that I've been feeling and that I know other women are going through this journey. Okay, now these are the feelings and I don't want to downplay them at all because I know they're 100% real and they're 100% valid. But then I want to speak truth into those feelings and say, this is how I feel. I feel anxious. I feel jealous. I feel betrayed even. My body's betraying me. It's not doing what it was meant to do, right? Um, and then this is the word of God. This is truth. This is salt. This is light. And we can speak that into that. And it's just not saying I'm negating what you're feeling, but I'm going to place that within the truth of God and the word of God to say, I know you're feeling that. And I'm with you and feeling that. And we're going to speak God's word over that. And we're going to say, this is what the word of God says. You know, you know, the Lord goes before you. The Lord wants good things for his children, whatever those scriptures are. And we pray them in a very specific way. So people may or may not be familiar with Lexio Divina, which is Latin for divine word. And basically this is a traditional monastic practice of scriptural reading. It's a meditation and prayerful way so that we're not just gleaning the scriptures to say, okay, I read the Bible today or (laughs) how we listen to it at church. You know, they say it one time and we think, okay, I got it. And then we ask you five hours later, what were the readings today? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I can't remember, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So Lexio Divina is basically like, uh, either some people say four, some people say five part method, which is you read the scriptures, so you pray them, right? St. Benedict, who developed the, is very instrumental in developing this, says, listen with the ear of your heart, right? So I take my heart and I allow my heart to I read it once. I pause. I'll read it back again. Maybe I'll read it a third or a fourth time. I read it and I let it speak to me. What word or small phrase of words is coming out to me, popping out and say, this is the word. This is what I want you to take away from this. Then I pray over that. Then I enter into meditation. You know, prayer is really just conversation with God, right? So I converse mm-hmm. with God about the scripture. And I meditate on it. What, what does this mean for me, God? How do you want me to carry this into the world, into my life? And I contemplate that, right? So mm-hmm. meditation and contemplation are very similar, you know, and stuff. And contemplating things in my mind, you know, thinking through that. And then the fifth, per- the fifth part would be action. How do I go and live this? You know, how, how do I apply this to my life? You may have a Lexio that would be with you for a week, a month, a year. You know, maybe this specific word of trust is for you for all year. Maybe it's for you today. Maybe it's for you this week. This helped me with journaling. So that's what the book is based around is that the Lexio Divina and journaling. And then I have a breakdown. You know, there's really, it's, a, it's supposed to apply to your heart. Then I give you the word. We go over the truth. 
we go into um, the saints and what kind of, um, so we give you a focus, you know, and then light, which would be a prayer at the end. So that layout was really inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's um, going to be 40 days because 40 is a, a number of consequence in the Bible. And um, so again, this is really going through the emotional journey and then bringing that through my firsthand experience and then through these other women that I've interviewed. And then we'll take the book and get into a ministry package with that, basically what Redbird's doing right. So break it down into a Bible study, something that a group of women can do, um, whether they can do it online or in a private Facebook group or um, whatnot. And then also the de desire, we can get some rich doctor <laughs> um, to fund, you know, or whatever, you know, the, the Lord would provide <laughs> um, is that we'd also do videos so I can interview the women um, mm -hmm. that would, you know, uh, be comfortable with that, of uh, sharing their stories. And so this, this, like each layer gives something deeper, right? So the book shares a beginning or a certain part of their story. The video would allow them to go deeper and share more. And then, you know, the Bible study would allow this to apply to a group. So absolutely. That's beautiful. And I see even like an adaptation for a couple study that could possibly yeah. come through because how we always say, um, the men are forgotten in grief. Um, yeah, yeah. but I was telling my friend Joy the other day, I was like, because they don't like volunteer to do stuff. So we have to, come yeah. to, we have to vol and tell them what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, men grieve than women. So, mm -hmm. you know, we are verbal and men aren't as verbal. They don't have a need. They're not worried that same way. So part of our, and, and, you know, I've learned this through my own trauma and mental health background. So this journey has a lot of trauma for us, right? You know, um, whether you've gone through miscarriage, whether you just can't conceive, um, whether you've tried, you know, 27,000 ways to do this and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about like the, the IVF industry is a $25 billion industry, which is, you know, suspected to like quadruple, you know, or, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to conceive what $25 billion is really about, but um, IVF has a huge failure rate. It's like 75%, you know? Mm -hmm. So if, if someone were to tell you, um, hey, fl fly IVF air, would you get on that airplane? You no. Know? Oh, people are, it's, people are trying. Yeah, people want so bad to have children. And also, you know, our, our feminine identity is so tied to our fertility, yes. right? Mm -hmm. It is so tied. And, and, and this is the way that it plays out. Maybe earlier in life, you want to be sexually active, but you don't want to have a child. So you, you get on birth control, you use condoms, because that's what the culture tells you, right? Abstinence, abstinence is not <laughs> even on the table, really, right? Not like, anymore. Yeah, yeah all right. When we were growing up, maybe it was on the table, but today it's yeah. not. <laughs> No, no. If someone were, there's like, what well, it's like a unicorn to find a virgin these days, you know, yeah. like that. So, you know, if you want to do that, you're trying to prevent. So your infertility, your fertility, you say, I don't want to conceive. So either I'm going to do these methods to not conceive, or if I do conceive, I'm going to have an abortion because I, I can, you know, it's legal. Um, it's mm -hmm. my body. I say that with quotes, right? <laughs> Even though who, who's, 
who's the one that sustains life? Is it you? Can you, can you say when your breath is going to start or stop? Can you, can you, you know, control really anything about your health? No, we, we no. are learning that. At if I could control level. my health, we would have children. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're either trying to prevent it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to foster it. And we're trying to take control over it when we can't have it, children and say, I can do IVF. I can have a child, you know, on my own terms, I can do surrogacy, I can, you know, whatever those type of things are. And so that false idol then becomes that thing that we're trying to manipulate and control. And we're telling, no, you can't be involved in my, um, in, you know, this area of my life, which is to create, to be co-creator with you to create life. Or yes, you can be involved, but I'm going to, I'm going to actually try everything possible to scientifically engineer this. Um, when it's, I think they say it's about 20,000 around or so for IVF. So the financial burdens and strains that it puts on people, not to mention the emotional, that you know, 25% only end up with um, it producing a live birth, you know, is, it's, it's staggering. You know, so there's just so big, it's like an emotional minefield you know, to travel through this. And when you make fertility a false god, you end up um, not trusting mm-hmm. in the lordship of God, right? I am going to be the one in control. That was original sin, right? God is trying to keep something from you or God's going to try to make something happen. So what you need to do is eat from that tree, right? Mm -hmm. Eat from that tree so that you can be like God. You Mm -hmm. can create a child. You don't need God. These doctors over here can make it happen. You don't want to have a child. We got all kinds of pills, abortifacients and abortion to be able to care for that for you. And if you, don't bite in, if you don't bite into that apple, they think you're crazy. They think oh, yeah. you're crazy. You're persecuted for your faith whenever you, yeah. you know, when you don't agree with that exactly. they can do all this. Exactly. Right. For my friends would say, well, you know, that some of my friends that, um, you know, that, that, that don't know why morally I would not participate in IVF. Um, and, and even a doctor, I, I had an OBGYN who I sat in his, in his chair. And the thing is, is with infertility, every other disease, they want to drill down into what is, if I'm having heart palpitations, let's figure out, is that anxiety? Or do you have um, some kind of heart murmur or some kind of heart disease, right? So we're going to then do a heart cath and we're going to, you know, do a sleep study and we're going to do all these things. Well, with infertility, doctors run a couple of tests. Okay. I, I, you know, I see this. I don't see this. Um, I'm going to refer you over to this IVF doctor right? I'm not, they're not trying to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's causing my infertility. I don't have PCOS. I don't have um, advanced you know, endometriosis or these other things that they would say, these are definitely causing your issue. So let me just push you towards not resolving your fertility issues and go into this. So I found the Creighton method through this, which they, you can look up Creighton. Um, and basically it's, um, a way of observing the mucus to chart and then work with a doctor or a practitioner for them to show you, okay, you know, this is what I'm seeing based on your cycle. Um, so, you know, when I went to that one OBGYN, it was, let's take your blood to see where your levels are. And we took my blood on one specific day. Um, when I went to a, um, a, a NAPRO doctor, right, which is with this Creighton method, um, natural procreative um, method. 
that um, he said, we want to take your blood on these uh, five days. We want to see where your levels are with your hormones on these specific days in your cycle so that I can know this is where you're supposed to be and this is where you are or you're over or under or wherever it is. So there's more science where they're trying to unpack through carefully charting your cycle and reading those charts when they know what to look for and see this looks like your this stage is too long, the stage is too short, uh, you're having ground bleeding, whatever those things are. And they'll work with you much more in depth than mm -hmm. just saying, um, well, I'm going to refer you to this doctor. And then the misconceptions when I told that doctor who wasn't um, Catholic, um, but a very respected doctor up in the Dallas area, I said, um, doc, you know, um, we're, we're not interested in doing IVF and we're Catholic. Um, so that's not a route that we're going to pursue. He said, well, doesn't the Pope want people to have kids? <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you said that out loud, dude. Like, of course the Pope wants people to have kids. You know, I mean, the, the work of IVF is not so specifically scientific that they can only create one embryo and one child to implant in you. So these women that create them end up having three, four, seven extra embryos. Those are lives. What are you going to do with those? Yeah. You're going to have seven more kids? I know. I, I had a friend um, and her friend, both Catholic, that she shared with me that not until she had, um, they implanted two of the embryos, they took out, um, they created five. I, was, I couldn't remember the order. Yeah. Um, they implanted two. She got pregnant. She had twins after they were about two years old. She told her friend, she said, now I understand why the church doesn't, um, allow IVF. And, um, she said, because I don't want to have three more children. She's like, so what do I do with them? It's because it's a life. Yeah. Like, these are lives. Yeah. These are lives. So I, I think that, you know, there's, we think that all oh, of the church is trying to tell me what I can and can't do. It's an archaic institution. It's not relevant anymore. It's like, there's wisdom you know, and if you were actually to look over the teachings of the church and just instead of saying, oh, the church, the church want, doesn't want uh, people to use contraception because they just want to populate the world with more Catholics. Well, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, so, you know, look into church teaching, like educate yourself, you know, and stuff. If you're going to refute something, maybe you should really understand what you're refuting, you know, yeah. and stuff. I just, so, uh, I want to share this too, because I get this question, oh, well, this statement all the time. Um, of course, you know, when people ask me, you know, how many kids do we have? Like, especially at school, because it's, um, you know, it's a Catholic school. I get yeah. the question, you know, when I tell them one, they're like, oh, you just have one? That just word. <laughs> the just yeah. word. And then, yeah. like, they use these, these statements of, you know, they're a good Catholic family. They have five or seven children. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not a good Catholic family because right. I'm right. open to life and God says yeah. no. You know, yeah. I just, right. so sometimes I don't think it's just our yeah. secular world that no. hurts our no. infertile moms. It's, oh, we feel it from the church too. Yeah. yeah. There's judgment, you know, just to see my husband and I come to mass alone together, you know, and stuff when you have, you know, the 12 passenger van <laughs> show up, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and, and, and here we're, we're laughing about it and stuff like that. We had to do that in order to not, you know, just cry. Absolutely. You know, like I have, 
I have friends I went to school with that really legit have 12 passenger vans. They have that larger family. Everyone at my school has a 12 passenger van. <laughs> right. And God bless you. God bless you. You know, right. You know, that's God's calling on your life. And here's the thing that I would say is that we do feel judgment from within the church. Mm-hmm. You do hear the just word or, oh, if I were to respond, I feel like when people ask me if I have kids that I have to tell them that I have infertility because I'm trying to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. So if I say not yet, you know, and stuff like that, then they at least know, or I can say, oh, we haven't been able to, you know, and stuff, or just, if I say no, you can kind of see, they might be like, mm, oh, you know, oh, okay. You know, there, there's, there's, they want to know why they want to oh, yeah. know why. Well, they you think it's selfish. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think there is a lot of um, hurt that we experience in the church. And here's another thing that I want to tell people about. People say, God has blessed me with a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not blessed because I don't have children, right? It, it's, a, it's a gift. A child is definitely a gift. But to say that you've been blessed, mm-hmm. you know, that means that I haven't been blessed. And guess what? My life is rich, actually, you know? My husband and I are, are living good lives. You know, God has provided for us. We have the home. We've been able to travel. I have the ability to write a book and, and you know, I don't, I don't have to go nine to five, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, God has blessed us. It, our blessings, if, if we're going to say that, you know, you have more blessings because you have seven kids and I don't, I don't think that that's, God doesn't work that way. I'm going to bless them with children. I'm not going to bless you. You're not blessed. You are blessed. That's not how God works. No, not at all. And it just hurts our families even worse whenever we don't take into consideration that everybody's circumstance is different. It looks different. Everyone's story is different. Um, I had, um, you know, a couple of people reach out to me about this coronavirus, you know, because my mom passed away from the H1N1. Yeah. And, um, you know, a couple of them, um, you know, just in frustration about, you know, being quarantined and my friend in particular, I love her so much, Um, but it like, it triggered me like hugely and to where I was like in this defense when I responded to her and it's someone that I would never, ever do this to because like, I want to literally like love her today. Um, But then I caught myself at the end and I was like that, she, that, that was my wounds that she didn't do that to me but that's what it does you know and we don't we don't mean to do that and I find you know like I probably do that to others you know and I you know shamefully but um it's just so it's so hard to navigate everyone's suffering you know with compassion it is is, right yeah I have a private Facebook group that I'm a part of it's a Catholic IF um St. Gerard you have to be invited into the group and, or, you know, I, anyways, um, each woman that posted there posts a trigger warning. If women are feeling, um, I can't handle that particular, I don't, I, I don't not in a state today to read about your miscarriage or, um, I, you know, can't deal with, you know, your birth announcement today or whatever those things are, you know, they, they do that. Um, and, and I found that, you know, I, I find support in there, but again, it's virtual, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, you're, you are, you know, finding comfort and prayer support and people sharing from their own experience. And so those are the beautiful things there. And then, um, also, you know, you, again, like I said, it, it's, it's like you, you're kind of missing that 
accompaniment. I, I just want somebody to sit here with a cup of coffee with me right now and <laughs> let me cry or cry on their shoulder, you know, but you, you do what you can. Um, and, and I think, you know, the thing that I learned through there was like, yes, these women are struggling with the same things I'm struggling with. And also, I mean, it encouraged me in the fact of like, I realized for me, what is, what is God calling me to after eight years of this? Okay, God, you know, like, what are you calling me to, to understand right now as I'm writing this book in the midst of it? I'm not like, hey, I have a baby and now I'm going to write this book. Or like, hey, I adopted a kid and now I'm going to write this book and tell you about everything. Like, I've all figured it out. No, I haven't all figured it out. I'm right in the middle of it, you know? So I said, um, I, I ended up going to another Blessed Is She retreat in Houston in August of last year. And before I went on the retreat, I ended up going to see my OB-GYN. I had another follow-up appointment, you know, with him. Um, they aren't fun appointments. When I get a, a sonogram, it's not to see a little one there. It's because we're trying to see uh, a cyst or fibroids or endo or whatever. You can't see endo, actually, but cyst or fibroid or whatever might show up on. So anyways... I go to the doctor and actually the Lord had placed um, caution in my heart before I went. I knew before I went to the doctor, who's like, he, he's an amazing OB-GYN pro, pro doctor. Love, love, love him. He's often supported me when I felt like I couldn't do this anymore. He's been really encouraging to me and helped me continue the journey. But I just felt like there was this caution before I went that it was going to be a difficult trip. So I go in and he had an intern you know, like a girl that was studying, right, to be a doctor in with him. And it, I since had a birthday since then. So he was telling me my age. And um, he was He's reminding me, you. Yeah. He was reminding me. I'm 42. I was like, you know, you're 42. And I'm thinking, yep, I know. I, I do realize that. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> and you've been at this for a while. And, you know, there's concerns because of um, I have heavy menstrual cycles. So you have this heavy bleeding and these are the things that we could do. Well, the, the list of four things was meaning you can't have kids because of this procedure. You can't have kids because of this procedure. You can't have kids because of this procedure and you can't have kids because of this procedure. So it was like told basically, again, it was like mentioning like, okay, so you're 42, you've been at this a while, you know, and it, it, and it was kind of like, we never had this like come Jesus moment where it was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to face, there's going to be a moment that I'm going to have to face probably in this journey where the doctor, and I, I've been through this with somebody very, very dear to me where the doctor said, you are not viable to have children anymore. Right. It's just, you don't have any eggs left. It's done. It's done. Um, talk about gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. And so we never had this where I had to face it. Like this might be the end for you. Like, right. This might be like, just stop trying, stop considering this as an option. I have been to that doctor for four years. I never cried in his office. I could always manage to get out if I needed to cry. You yeah. know, it just was like this pride point for me, I guess. Like, I just didn't want to be that vulnerable in there. Because you already feel so freaking vulnerable in an oh, yeah. <laughs> OBGYN's yeah. office. I mean, I, I, it was terrible. It was the worst, you know. And so, I, and I love you, Dr. K. I do. You know, but um, so he's saying this to me. And I just break down crying. I just break down into tears. And I, I say, you know, uh, this is so hard. And, you know, he's trying to comfort me, but at the same time, he's a medical doctor. He's not a psychologist, right? <laughs> His 
job is really to take care of my functioning as a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Women's health, this is what he does, you know? And so he's really trying to like show comfort, but he has to like keep that like doctor patient kind of, you know, um, relationship intact to say, um, you know, you're, you're a very, you're, you're a great patient. I really enjoy working with you. Um, I really just want what's best for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there really wasn't, you know, much more to, to come into that moment to say, well, you know, there's this that you could do with this therapist or you could, you know, I have a, a packet for women that are going through this and let me give that to you so you don't go home a shattered human being or go off to this retreat to Houston, a shattered human being. It was kind of like I was told these options, think about it for a little bit, come back. I don't want you to wait too long and let's make a decision. And then I'm crying and I said, you know, doc, I really appreciate all you've done for me. I do. But nobody tells you how to get through this. Nobody tells you a mental turmoil that I am navigating and don't know what the heck to do with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody tells you what to do with this. It's basically, you know, and um, he mentioned like a website and something like that, you know, and stuff. And I, I had almost two hours in the car to drive, you know, from there and just crying in the car me and God talk in the car a lot, you know, so I was like, no radio, nothing. We're having it out. God, we are, I'm a handful, right? Telling him about himself. (laughs) Oh Lord, we are gonna, we're going to do this right here. We're throwing down. So I'm telling them, you know, Oh, and my friend calls and we end up, you know, laughing a bit and stuff. And I said, I don't, I really don't want to get into all this right now. I, I'd rather tell all three of my friends I was going to see when I got there, rather tell all three at the same time, I really can't rehash this three times today and whatever. So I get to this retreat and I'm there and go through the first day and God provides. Like I could just see God in, in, in my prayer partner. I could see God in my interactions. I can hear him through the talks, whatever. But here's the thing. Here's the beauty of our faith. I go to confession, right? I'm in line for over an hour for confession. I mean, like everybody on this retreat, over 200 ladies wants to go to confession, right? So we're like missing lunch pretty much at this point, <laughs> almost. And I, I said, God, you know, just lead me to the right confessor. And like St. Faustina would say, help him to have light into my soul, you know. So I'm praying that the last minute I get diverted to another line, you know, and stuff. Not that I know any of these priests. I don't, you know. And stuff. <laughs> so I end up in this confessional with priests and I just start telling them, you know, uh, the grief that I'm experiencing and all of this. And, you know, asking, you like laying yourself bare. I cry a lot of times in confession because it's like it, you see yourself in the worst way, mm-hmm. right? And you're facing God. But it's like also God's mercy is so greater and deeper and more profound. that you're like saying, these are the worst things about me, God. I'm telling them to you. And then you're meeting me and saying, I love you. I've forgiven you. I've died for that, you know? So that's what happens. It's like, you know, it's coming into this point of me bearing my soul and saying the worst things possible here. And uh, he says, um, he cuts through like kind of what I said. And he said, are you angry with God? And I thought, I didn't even have to think actually. I just said, yeah. And he said, are you okay with that? And actually like, I don't feel comfortable a lot of times with that. Like I know he can take it and I've been angry with him before, but it feels like really like a bad feeling to be angry at the person who loves you the most. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so um, 
I said, no, I'm not 100% okay with it. And he said, God is the best person to handle that. He said, look at the saints, look at the scriptures. A lot of the prophets were angry with God. Moses, Jeremiah, you know, you look at a lot of these saints and they really struggled, right? They weren't just like, oh yes, God, I'm going to go. Like Jeremiah turned around, went the other way. You know, Moses like had to be sent Aaron who would talk for him. You know, like they struggled legit. I'm not different from them, right? I'm, I'm on the same struggle. I'm on the same journey. Yeah. So he said it actually would bring them to a deeper level of faith if they would let God work through the anger. Mm-hmm. So my penance was, I thought this was really interesting. Spend three minutes before the tabernacle as your penance and believe in God's unconditional love for you. Hmm. So you know what I thought? Three minutes, <laughs> three minutes, right? I put my timer on my phone because I was like, I want to see what's going to happen in three minutes here, you know? So I put three minutes on, I went before, and I just started to say, I believe in your love for me. Well, just tears started coming down my face. Tears come down my face because do I believe? No, because does this feel like love right now? Well, you got a really different idea of love, God, because I am hurting so bad and I'm so mad at you Mm -hmm. because why don't you just answer that prayer that people have taken all over the world for me? Why Mm -hmm. can't you just give me a baby? I mean, there are people having babies that don't want them. They're throwing them away. There are people having babies that aren't fit to raise their children and they're being taken away from them. Mm-hmm. My husband and I would be loving parents. We mm-hmm. would raise this child in the church. We would love this child more than anything else. I know the value of human life, God. Why? So tears are streaming on my face. God, this doesn't feel like love. It doesn't feel like love. Mm-hmm. And somewhere through, I don't know. I wasn't watching the clock. But somewhere through, my tears started to lighten. I felt God breaking through my hardness of heart. I felt him breaking through me questioning him and his love. And why would you let me go through this? I mean, didn't he allow his son to suffer on the cr- and suffer and die on the cross? That was love. That is the greatest, the folly of the cross. I mean, who can understand that that's love, right? Yeah. So he broke through and I started to feel a, a sense of peace come over me as I started to let God's love permeate my heart and heart and come into that place where I wasn't allowing him to be because I was so angry mm-hmm. and it was seriously three minutes I mean I looked down and boom I don't even know God three minutes miracle here I'm telling you ladies that it's okay to feel angry with God mm-hmm. it's okay to vent on him it's okay to feel the feelings that you feel in the- and God's love is for you it's not just this general love that he'll just pass around to everybody it's like everybody gets the same general love it's specific it's it's poured out from the cross for you and as we continue in lent right now i just want you to really try to enter into that if you're struggling with some type of suffering to allow god to come deep into that woundedness and unite your own wounds with christ experience that way of the cross and know that God is for you mm-hmm. because he broke through my <laughs> hardness and he let me know, I love you. I have a plan for you. And I do have a plan for your motherhood. Trust me. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful, Lisa. I don't even know what to say next. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe we don't need to do. <laughs> I think this is it. This is it. That was so awesome. I guess um, my my message for everyone is three minutes with God can change your life. Right? <laughs> sure can. <laughs> Who sure needs a whole can. hour? Three minutes is all you need for the blessed hey, That's it. That's I think it. whenever can do it. We're going to be able to go back in front of the Blessed Sacrament into church. I think the reverence. I just can't wait until that time yeah. so we can go back in and just yeah. that reverence. I just that appreciation. Like we're going to make something beautiful for God. I know that that it's going to bring forward just this this love for Him even even greater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't well, take it for granted. That's right. Don't take it for granted. Well, thank you for sharing with us about your struggles. And like I'm sitting here saying yes, 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 because you know, <laughs> I've like God has given me a child, and here I am with you on this journey. And I feel this, like I feel all of that. I've had those conversations with God where I'm yelling at him and telling him how unfair this is. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I even told there was this girl who were um she was considering she's a friend of mine she was considering the consecrated life or to get married and she kept telling me she was like I just want to I just want to get married and here I see her you know just I was like you know I was like sometimes our plan is not God's plan I want a baby and I'd be a good mother but he is not sending me one oh I just hit the like I meant it too because like our plan is different. My plan is different. Like my plan does not look like God's plan. And I, I get angry sometimes, you know, when I allow those temptations to enter my heart, mm-hmm. but um, just having, just having something like to, to journey with, like, I just think this, this Bible study is going to bring just these group of women who are going to be able to, journey together and it's going to give just so much hope because people like you said we don't talk about it we don't talk about our struggles we don't talk about our grief we don't talk about infertility we don't talk about these hard things and you know when when you were talking about too with this virtual type stuff um i kept thinking too you know there is beauty in that um because when you have a resource like what you're providing what happens is, is you go virtual to connect and then out of it, out of it comes these groups, these small groups, you know, to where we can, we can gather virtually and then out of it, you know, when people's hearts start to, to soften, they're going to want to, to, to group together. So I just think something yeah. beautiful is, is happening. It's, God is working yeah. together, definitely. I agree. And, and, and to that point, you know, God definitely works virtually. I mean, that's what we have right now with each other. And that's how we're able to do yeah. this even today. And that's how these listeners are listening to this right now. God mm-hmm. bless you all, each one of you. But like, yeah, there's beauty that comes out of that. And I know that that actually like doesn't, ge- you know, geographically inhibit God that he can mm-hmm. say people in Sri Lanka could find this if, if we could get it translated you know I mean mm-hmm. who knows what God's going to do in the future but or Poland or whatever or you know, like people in Canada and all these things like I don't have to travel there I don't have to whatever like we can just get to that so I would encourage anybody if ladies if you do know somebody that you know you can go to littlewithgreatlove.com I have a contact form there you can fill that out reach out to me 
I'm happy to, if you know somebody that's struggling and just want to reach out and, and ask for prayer or uh, just whatever you want, you know, just, you can reach out to me through those ways. And Kelly also knows how to get a hold of me too. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you give us the uh, information about your, um, your website and your, yeah. uh, where to go with that, to find that contact form? Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to littlewithgreatlove.com and spell out the entire thing, right. Um, which is doing little things with great love, but it's littlewithgreatlove.com. Um, there's the contact form there that you can go to contact and, and fill that out. Um, and that, that comes to me. So, um, you know, it doesn't just go out to like 15 other people and then eventually it's going to trickle down to me. It comes right to me. Um, and then we also have Instagram, which is little W great love. Um, so just don't spell out the web little W great com. more so on Facebook, little with great love.com. I mean, sorry, little with great love, just Facebook page. Um, so we have all those ways that you guys could, you know, messenger, uh, Instagram, inbox, you know, however, it, I, I get all of that stuff too. So. And when can we expect this Bible study to hit oh, yeah. the road? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing you. I, I'm, I'm, helping, I'm helping Lisa to be brave, to be courageous. She is. She is. Oh, Lord. I can't even give you a date yet. But let's just say if y'all could like whisper a prayer. Uh, God has actually recently cleared some things on my path to give me more time. So um, let's just say I've got about two, 35 more chapters to go, guys. So I need your prayers. Yes, I need your prayers. Seriously. Because it's not just, yeah, it's not just, I actually like, I mean, thank God I studied, um, scripture under um, Dr. Scott Hahn when I was at Steubenville. So mm-hmm. um, I, I am like getting into the scripture, like getting back into original text and all that kind of stuff. So it does take, it's not just like, Oh, I'll just write a story. And then a couple of quotes mm-hmm. in there. I know like I'm actually trying to really study the word of God too. Yeah. You know, and I've read one of those good. and it was profound. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's taken like ancient and, and uh, customs and traditions and the old and the new, like, it's just a combination. It's, it's really a study of scripture like it really yeah. was it was profound for me so oh, can't wait for everyone to be able to <laughs> yeah read yeah. up on it yeah yeah well pray i mean there's no better time to write a book than when you're self-isolating so <laughs> <laughs> god make use of this time <laughs> right that's awesome okay well thank, thank you, you for joining us today and i hope you have a good rest of your day you too god bless you thank you thank you for listening today to the grieving together show Our hope is that you were able to find comfort in your grieving journey. To find out more about what resources and events Redbird Ministries has to offer, please visit us at www.redbird.love or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Please make sure that you subscribe to our email list so that you can stay current on what is offered. If our show has touched your heart and you would like to make a charitable donation, you can do so on our website at www.redbird.love/donate. Lastly, if you would like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to us at kelly at redbird.love. We leave you today in the two hearts. May God protect you and keep you, and God bless you.